The waiting is over. In a little town of Bethlehem, something incredible has happened. A little baby has been born, and the world is forever changed as the upper story of God unfolds in this glorious wonder. Our little grandniece, Neveria, or Nevi for short, down in Belize, she was such a joy this past week as she interacted with us and the world around her. She's just under three years old, and uh, she experiences everything with just this um, amazement as she uh, sees things. A huge smile that she has, and uh, she uh, sees the world and expresses it with uh, joy. She has this little squeal as she delights in flowers, and then, ooh, there's another one, and I can't squeal like her. And when we come back to the house, she'd just be so glad, oh, there they are, and just uh, shouting out, she had this uh, contagious joy. And I think about that as how the people that experienced the uh, Christmas story in the very beginning, how they must have fe uh, felt this contagious joy as heaven breaks open and the angels proclaim the glory of God in this little baby in a manger. The waiting is over. The scripture says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, we're in the 21st week of the story, and it's the continuous journey of God and God's people. And I think from the perspective of everyday people in the Bible that we have read for the past 21 weeks, we easily get the feeling that the Old Testament is full of messed up people in a messed up world. Would you agree? I think that's probably a pretty close assessment. It's messed up, all of it, a lot of it. It's just crazy stuff. And, you know... I think, wow, those were weird times back then, but you know, I hear people saying that today is kind of messed up, that we live in a world right now that has messed up people and messed up things. You know, and as, I think as, as crazy as the world was then, and as ready as people are right now for God to act in it, nobody was ready then for what came next. We're all waiting for God to act. Are we ready for God to act? Maybe that's a good thing for us today. You know, to expect God in unexpected places. We're all waiting, right? We're all waiting for something. Waiting for the economy to change. Waiting for a relationship to improve. Waiting for life to get back in order. Waiting for a better job. Waiting for classes to get over waiting for the church to get normal again. And when those things happen, we might think to ourselves, well, you know, when, when all that takes place, when, when God moves, when God acts, then I'm going to be ready. I'll step in to whatever God is doing. You know, we're all waiting for that right moment. But that isn't always how God works. God's not waiting for our right moment. And while we're busy paying attention to what God isn't doing, you know, we can see a lot of things that maybe we think God's not doing. We might be missing what God is doing. In the story today, something amazing is about to happen. The upper story and the lower story, God's story and the story of the people on earth is about to collide together. And that impact produces this unimaginable outcome. It's, it's almost unthinkable. In fact, it's so unthinkable that it could only be a God story. So God reveals God's self in the process 
as he reveals the person of Jesus Christ. So in your waiting, don't miss what God is already doing. God's presence is real. It is very real. Many years ago, I was at a time in my life where it seemed as though things couldn't get much worse. I had two babies I was raising at home, didn't have much money. I just had skin cancer surgery and I had a husband, husband that didn't believe in Jesus, in Jesus and, and was battling PTSD. PTSD. I, I didn't sign, didn't up, sign for up for this, right? right? I felt, I felt like, like I was in a dream and I just, and I just I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to wake up and have everything just be better. Be better. One night, One I, night couldn't I couldn't sleep, sleep so I was, was walking, walking out of my bedroom, of my bedroom and, and, praying and praying to God and just crying out. I was just crying out. Um, um, asking, asking him, him to help me. I just needed, I just needed to, know to know that he was there and he was, and he was with, with me, with that, me that, that I wasn't alone. alone. And, and I, I, as I walked, as by, I walked by my living room, room I, I glanced in, in and just for, and just a, little for a little bit, bit I had seen what looked as, as it was Jesus, it was Jesus sitting, on sitting on my couch. And, and he was he just there. And I just got that sense of just instant peace and just that was my reminder, my reminder that's, that's what I needed for that time, for that time and then he was gone. It was enough, it was enough for, me to, for me to know instantly that he was, that there, he was there for me. me. He, had, he hadn't left me or forsaken me. Or forsake me. <laughs> I felt, I felt presence his presence and peace, and peace almost, almost immediately. immediately. From then, From then going, going forward, forward, it was just what I needed. needed. It was just a good reassurance that it was a new sense of hope and a new sense of peace. And, and God's, God's spirit, spirit is a reminder to trust, to trust him always, and that's what I, do. what I do. Appreciate that story so much, Annie, sharing that. You know, God is with us. That's the story of Christmas, Emmanuel. In our deepest, darkest moments, God is with us. We can count on that. No matter where we're at, God is with us. And it's such an amazing comfort. Now, you might not go home tonight and see Jesus sitting on your couch. However, you can be confident, you can be assured that God will never leave you, God will never forsake you or abandon you. God is with you. The miracle of Christmas, the joy of Christ's birth. We have seen his glory, the Apostle John writes, the glory of the one and the only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. The upper and lower story collide. The Son is revealed as he reveals the Father himself. People wonder about what is God really like? Great question, right? Well, God has made himself known in the person of Jesus. If you ever ask that question, what is God like? Why well, don't open up the New Testament read about Jesus? That's what God is right. It's like because that's who God is. After 400 years of waiting... After the prophets go silent, after the Old Testament book closes with Malachi and all God's people waiting, waiting, waiting on God, waiting on God's promises, waiting on their Messiah, waiting, the whole world is waiting. Doesn't it seem that way today? Everybody's waiting, waiting. And yet, if we look a little deeper, 
It seems that God is not. That God's not waiting. That God is at work right now. And for those people 2,000 years ago in Israel, God was working out his plan in unexpected ways. And it was experienced by everyone who was willing to step into what God was doing in that moment. And the expression of those people who did, I think it's kind of like little Nevis, wonder and awe at what God was doing. John writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He lived among us in the person of Jesus Christ. In Belize this week, this past week, uh, the team was out. I'm going to invite uh, some of them up to come and share today. Uh, the two Donnas and Dylan. And uh, as we were out in uh, Belize, we experienced God at work. Uh, I told the team there's three things that we need to do when we are on mission. The first thing to do is to be flexible. Say flexible. flexible. First thing to, be, to do is, is be flexible because you really don't know what's uh, going to happen. We're not in control of a lot of things. The second thing we need to do, because we just really don't know all the dynamics down there, is to be flexible. Say flexible. flexible. That's right. And the third thing, again, because you just really don't know what's going to happen, is to be flexible. <laughs> so flexible, flexible, flexible. And we uh, stretched these guys pretty, <laughs> pretty much uh, this week. So I'm just going to invite them to share a little bit about how you saw uh, God at work in your lives this week. Um, well, it's great to be back, and we want to thank everybody for your prayers because uh, it was mighty hot down there from 20 below to like 95 and sweating. And, <laughs> but I, our story is that uh, when Susan came to visit um, us at our prayer meetings, um, I think it was anointed from the very beginning that this was going to be a, a mission trip, and we were... Um, excited to go and things just kind of fell into place and um, so um, it was just a blessing beyond um, anything that we had probably even thought about and the Lord said he was going to stretch our tent stakes and uh, he did and um, so anyhow we did get to uh, attend uh, Susan's church and met um, all kinds of her contacts and um, People of faith, it just kind of blows you out of the water because um, they have such faith down there. They have so little, and, uh, and they're poor, but um, they have the joy of the Lord. And So anyhow, Monday morning, we got um, hard at work, and um, Susan had prayed um, that um, they would get a uh, bobsled or a bob uh, skid steer um, to prepare some of the land and, and even it out, and... Uh, Lo and behold, the day before we arrived, um, there was somebody that volunteered his time and his machine to help with clearing the land. And um, my job was to fill in holes where they had already cleared some of the land, where, where the palm trees and, and it left big holes in the ground. And so I gathered up a bunch of stakes and started putting stakes in the ground so we knew where to fill them with uh, dirt. And... Uh, while Tim and Cheryl were um, gathering palm leaves uh, for this thatch that was being um, built by some of the locals. And they had to lift these giant palm branches up uh, to the top. And um, so that was exciting. And then uh, 
this uh, guy that had the skid steer, he brought dirt up. So we had wheel, we would, had shovels and wheelbarrows, and we would go along filling these holes. And um, so it, uh, it was quite a challenge, but we got it done. And, um, and then we also prayed on the land and through the jungle and, and uh, for protection because there were uh, critters there that, that we didn't really want to mess with. <laughs> and uh, so anyhow, and, and these um, um, people, they had marchetes, and that's how they cleared the land. And it, it was just kind of humbling to see them working away, um, clearing the land and the bush and... And, um, and even though we didn't get a chance to uh, act, do the actual building, um, we felt like we, had, we were preparing the ground um, for, the, for the future. And um, so we just give God all the glory for what he did through us and is continuing to do. And um, someday we're going to see the fruitation of all of this. It was a really great experience to go over there and to see lots of new things, make lots of new connections. Kind of like the reason that they give you why you should learn math, even if you never use it. It creates new, new connections in your head so you're better at problem solving and things like that, right? Um, and we, we talked about the connections we made over there. And um, we talked about how we would stick with those connections. And for a lot of them, I don't think I will. I met lots of people. I talked to lots of new people, but I won't necessarily talk to them. But I don't think that really matters. I think that making those connections in the first place is all that really matters. Uh, um, having the new experience in your head and applying that to the rest of your life is what really matters. And I may stay in contact with some of the people um, that I met. Um, I, I have a phone number or two in my, in my pocket now. But um, it was just about going over there. And, uh, and experiencing that. Um, and one of the nights, each, each night we stopped and we talked about uh, a thing or two. Tim, Tim prepared some questions for us and we would answer them. And, um, and one of the questions was, how is being here different? And how is being here um, made you think we're not so different at all? And I couldn't really sum up the differences in one word at all because there's, there's so much. It's like, it's like saying that you know, um, Americans, you know, drive a lot of cars, like burgers, and football. It's like it's true, but it's you know, <laughs> it's a little generalizing. It's it, you can't just stick to one thing. So uh, the whole experience was was new and was different, um, and, uh, and you know, I could point out that there was a lot more poverty, the demographic was different, the food was different, it was great food, by the way, um, but it was different, um, but nothing in particular really stood out, it just, it was the whole feel of the entire thing that felt different, um, but what was, was more impactful to me was that um, the thing that made it feel the most like home or the most similar was actually Navaria, the little girl, because uh, uh, I, I ended up playing with her a lot. I don't mean to brag, but I was kind of like her favorite. Um, <laughs> and uh, and um, it just, it, it was a joy to be with her and she just makes you think that, you know, 
all kids, no matter where they are, they all have the same sense. They also have the same um, sense of um, what's what I'm looking for. Joy, no, the I word uh, for, for being, oh, innocence, there we go. The I word, yeah. Um, the same sense of innocence and yes, joy. And it was, it was beautiful. And, um, and she was probably as well the, the best part of the trip that I didn't expect to happen. I didn't even know that there was a little girl there, but she was definitely the best part that I did not expect or plan for whatsoever. It was great. Um, being in the car, we were going to the Mayan ruins to, to look at them one afternoon, and she would, she just looked, I was sitting back there with her mom, and she just pointed outside and said, look the trees! And then like five minutes later, she'd say, look the trees! And I said, yes, Navaria, there's trees everywhere. You can't look outside and not see trees, honey. There's, uh, there's gonna be trees. But every like 10 or so minutes, she was like, oh, I found a tree! And it was fantastic. I loved it. And then the next day, she did the same thing, but with looking at Tim's car following us. We had two cars, and Tim was driving one, and they, she would, he would follow Susan. And then she looked back in the rear, in, in the, the back, and she'd go, oh, he's coming! And he, she did that, like, she said that like 10 times, and it never got old. Um, so it was... It was truly very nice, um, and things didn't go as planned, and we did have to be flexible because there was still water, and we weren't able to do the cement that we thought we'd be able to do the the foundation. But it was, uh, but we did do things we planted, and we I helped fill in all the holes that she so generously marked out, and I even got to go to a school that was there and help. Um, help some kids with special needs that the, they have that are severely underfunded over there, as, quite frankly, a lot of things are. Um, it was a great experience, and I would definitely do it again. Uh, yeah, th I'm just still absorbing uh, the whole week, and I will for days, weeks, and months ahead. Um, it was definitely uh, being flexible and being open to what um, God was directing me to do there. And it was, for me, I made a lot of connections with, uh, with people with disabilities. Um, on Sunday, we arrived and went to lunch, and there was a gentleman there, France, and he asked what our skills were. And Cheryl mentioned that Dylan worked at group home, and, and then that I worked at the school with special needs, and then the son with special needs. and so. He invited us to the school, and they had recently started a special education program, a small class, classroom, just six students, one was gone, there were five there. So um, Dylan and I and Rosanna, Tim and Cheryl's niece, got to spend a whole day in that classroom with her, and it was just awesome making those connections. Um, and I had the opportunity to <clears throat> meet a lady where we went to supper um, who was deaf. And I'm like, oh, can I go talk to her? Knowing sign language, I was able to go, and, which was just such a joy, making a connection with her. And then with um, Tim and Cheryl's nephew, Ricky, and uh, spending time with him. And uh, So yeah, there was land work I did, but the connections I made with special, the people with special needs was, was really uh, 
really amazing. And I came back, I was writing my journal, and the two words that I think of with the, the journey was beautiful blessings, joyful blessings. Other two words that. Thank you. <laughs> Two minutes each, I gave them. <laughs> we had a great, we had a great week together. Uh, talk about being flexible. Uh, we had the task of planting trees, in particular those coconuts. They saw little Nevi holding up, and uh, you know we. I've never planted coconuts before. Donna and Dylan never did. Uh, so we went out into the, the bush and, and uh, started digging holes. I mean, you think big seed, big hole, right? So we uh, dug and Donna was digging away uh, in the hole down there and uh, through all the roots in the jungle. It's not easy digging, heavy clay. And uh, she's uh, starting to sweat and she's looking at it and she goes, what do you think? Is that di about deep enough? And I said, ah, go a little deeper, Donna. And so she uh, sweats it out, gets the hole dug, and uh, we go to find the expert, uh, who uh, one of the, the people who uh, lives there was working on the land, Santi. And we talked about digging, or how do we plant coconuts? And he goes, well, uh, you need to plant them on the surface. So we said, Donna, <laughs> fill in the hole. <laughs> At least we loosen the soil, I guess. So it'd be fun to go back and find uh, those trees growing uh, in a few years. So God is at work in the midst of, uh, of us. It's important, I think, in uh, ways unimagined that God is at work when we think about an unimportant district in Galilee or Belize or maybe we think about Wheaton or the surrounding area, an unexpected town that God comes to in Nazareth to an unexpected teenage girl. You know, strange, strange things begin happening as God uh, sends an angel calling and dreams that begin changing, uh, we might think about a pre-Gen Z couple of uh, very young Jews in AD 2 and 3. You know, the first pages of the New Testament story, you know, there are just some things that we have to call, you know, unexplainable. I don't know how else you would that are taking place, impossible things from a human perspective. But remember, this is God's story. And with God, all things are possible. Even things that are never conceived or considered in the mind of human beings. So God sends his angels. Mary, Mary um, is, uh, conceives the Son of God by the Holy Spirit. And God is about to bring his Son into the world. It seems that when God is ready to act, strange things begin to happen. Many of us uh, may be aware by now, maybe some of you have not heard, uh, about uh, what's called a revival taking place in Asbury College down in the southeast. One, uh, as I understand it, after a chapel service, a normal kind of regular chapel service on a college <laughs> campus, that uh, one or a few students st stuck around afterwards, and one student began confessing and repenting, turning to God, and uh, the other stayed around and began praying, and they said that the presence of God was palpable. They experienced God in their midst. Emmanuel, God with us. And then some other students came along and they stayed throughout the night in the chapel. And the next morning, some other students heard about it and they gathered in as well. And they continued to praise and 
prayer and praise of of God as they continued to experience the presence of God. And and people began to come out of class and go into the chapel. And God was there. And the next day, more students heard about it, and they began to come. And they just stayed there, worshiping and praying and experiencing God. And then people outside of the campus began to hear about it, and they started coming. And pretty soon, the campus is filling up with outsiders because they're hearing that God is present at Asbury College. God is doing something. God is doing a new thing. And more people come, and other colleges hear about it, and they send buses, and this has been going on for several weeks, and I think they were, they were trying to figure out a kind of a conclusion to how this uh, was to wrap up because it was interfering with all of the things that are happening on campus. So God, God was at work in this Gen Z, the palpable presence of God, and whatever, whatever was taking place, you know, I, I haven't been there. It's out of the ordinary. There's some uncommon, unexplainable things. You know, we can ask the question, is it a sign? Is God at work in a new way, in a new season, in a new time? In some ways, it's not new. It's the presence of God amongst his people. And God is moving his plan forward with us. And it begins, revival begins in the church. It begins with God's people as people turn back to God and come to new life in Christ through faith in the Son that has come. And then it continues as lives are transformed. Revival. You know, we all get midwinter blues, stuck in a rut. I remember two weeks ago, cleaning up after a two-day blizzard. You guys remember that last week, I hear. (laughs) Snow and snow and more snow and snow. All we can see is snow. Last Saturday, I got on a plane with the mission team, and uh, four and a half hours later, everything changed, just like that. It all happened so fast, from endless snow and cold to tropical green and lush and heat, blooming, and yet those of you still here, you had another (coughs) snowstorm, right? We all get stuck in a rut, unchanging seasons of winter, maybe health issues that keep us down. Relationships that don't seem to get better. Even our faith can seem to get in a rut during seasons where it just seems like we're going through the motions, just doing the religious thing. But that experience and fullness of life, that presence of God, that palpable presence that they're experiencing in Asbury, we wonder, well, where's that? So whether it's relationships or adult chapel service at Asbury, you might feel ready for a game-changing disruption. I think God is at work around us. God is, right now, present with his people. God is bringing about game-changing disruption. Well, I have a couple of words, but it all begins with saying yes to God and going to Belize because Susan has asked me time and time again, and I've always said no because I knew that I couldn't endure the heat or rather that I didn't want to endure the heat. And when I said yes to God, I said I would be open to whatever you want me to do. Well, you know, I'm a doer, and I love to see the work behind me, the production. So I got to have my hands, kind of like home, I got to have my hands in all of the things that uh, the team talked about. I got to go to school one day. Um, They invited us back on Wednesday. We got to be subs. I I don't even have my... (laughs) 
I got to go sub in the special needs room because God asked me to go when Donna asked me to go, and I remembered that I said, God, I'll do whatever you call me to do. And I was so blessed to see the light bulb come on in a student's face when she figured out how to count the minutes on the clock. Like, my sharing with her, she finally got it. It was so awesome. Uh, I got to help build that thatch. There's my little doer thing, right? I loved doing that. I loved working my body and pushing myself. But I find that in reflection, the real purpose uh, for me going on the team was to bring a word of encouragement to the people of Belize. And not just Susan and Tiana and Rosanna and Vivian and, and Ricky and Travis. <coughs> Nevi encouraged us. But to the native people of Belize, I had personal one-on-one -on -one connections with many people throughout the trip. A Sunday school teacher who says, sometimes I have two, sometimes I have ten. I don't know why they don't come. But I get to go into her classroom and say, we have the same thing and we get to connect. I got to connect with the worship team that you see, there's a couple of men uh, who lead the worship team and I got to encourage them. I got to encourage a woman who um, works very hard serving her community, earning money by cooking and serving, serving them. I got to encourage Susan and her family. And uh, uh, I just lost his name, Santi. He, he's, he's brilliant. He, He's just brilliant, and I got to encourage him. He works his body beyond my imagination. So encouragement was my thing. I, I got to go and share encouragement, and then I came home and was encouraged, and I survived the heat. Thanks, Cheryl. So if you're stuck in a rut right now thinking that uh, things will never change, maybe things will never turn around, the New Testament message just may be the disruption that you need. It disrupts our thinking, it disrupts our timing, it disrupts our lives. The Word was made flesh and made His dwelling among us. You know, it's the incarnation, the idea of God, of creation, the creator of the universe, who spoke the, word, or the world into existence by His voice, by the Word, becomes one of us, a human being, an infant in a manger, fully God, fully human, in the most extraordinary way, in the waiting. Mary was waiting to get married, and an angel disrupted her life and said, Hey, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and have a child. He will be called God's son. And Mary might have been thinking, Wait, God, I'm not ready for that. There's some things that need to happen first, like, you know, what about the wedding? Like, in that culture, that was very important. And yet instead Mary said, your will be done. She trusted whatever God was doing was good for her. And Joseph, who was waiting to uh, get married, who was a righteous man, the Bible says, which means he was committed to doing what was right according to God's law, and discovers that his fiancée, Mary, is now with child, which wasn't right according to God's law, it seemed. And he decided to do the best thing he could do, the most merciful thing he could do, which was to quietly dismiss Mary as his fiance and go on with his life. But an angel tapped him on the shoulder and said, Joseph, this thing that is happening, this is of God. This is God's work. And the child that will be born is the son of God and you are to name him Jesus. And Joseph decided that God's way 
was the best way. And he did what God suggested. And through all of that, God was at work bringing his son into the world, revealing to the world God's heart and who God is. And so in our waiting, don't dismiss what God is doing. God is already at work revealing himself to the world. In John 17 and 18, it says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known. And God uses you and I as he fills us with his presence by faith in Jesus Christ to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our world, to make Jesus known in extraordinary ways. It says, the word has become flesh and made his dwelling among us. I'm really proud of you as a church, being a sending church, meaning that you have committed to send a team to Belize. And yes, this is my sister, and I, I acknowledge that. I'm a beneficiary of, of uh, that commitment of this church. Um, but in many ways, uh, this, that is a, a, an encouragement to the missionaries that are in the field for you as a church to be a supporting and backing church in prayer covering and committing to send representatives from this church to go down there and to be present with them. You know, they don't have a family beyond themselves. They're it. And they are working in a culture and community that has a lot of struggle and difficulty and po poverty and pain and loss of opportunity. We take so much for granted here. And, and that, that's okay. That's, that's, it's not bad that, you know, we have many blessings. Uh, but it is kind of an eye-opener to realize how much we can bless those around us in the world. And so to send them, to support them, is uh, such a huge thing. And uh, as we left and could, could see you know, the tears of Susan welling up in her eyes, having Cheryl come and having the team interact, uh, it just meant so much. And you're part of that. Uh, you made that difference. Together as the church, we get to be a blessing. And uh, the hands and feet of Jesus in our world. So thank you so much on behalf of Susan and her family for what you have done in Belize. One of the things that impacted me is this idea of economic development. There, are, there just isn't opportunity there. When we talk about Santi, He's, uh, I, I would think of him as a educated, self-educated botanist and uh, agricultural specialist. He's a Mayan. He lives in a village out, uh, out there. He knows the jungle. He knows the woods. He knows the trees. He knows the plants. He knows the snakes <laughs> and the animals. And he, uh, he wor worked on the land uh, that Susan is developing. He loves it. He cares for it. And uh, he gets 20 bucks a day. That's the average uh, wage for a laborer. Uh, when they were digging the foundation for the house that we saw up here that's full of water right now, they were, um, you know, you think, well, you know, get a backhoe in and dig that up. Well, they don't have access to a backhoe back there. Um, they're, just, they're just not around. They don't have them. So uh, everybody, or the seven guys worked for seven days digging that foundation. 
So I figured it's, uh, at that wage, it's about $980 to dig by hand this foundation down about uh, four or five feet. And uh, I think, wow, that's kind of waste, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, it's their livelihood. It's a blessing for them to have uh, that opportunity to, di or, or to work and to provide for their families. Because without that, they, they wouldn't have that job. And so it, it makes a difference. And just the opportunity to help equip. Some of the churches down there, their ministry is, uh, is, is teaching skills to uh, people who, who don't have them so that they can go out and begin to uh, you know, do some free enterprise and, and earn some money for their families because there aren't jobs to do. And it, uh, it, it makes a difference. So even that little work that is uh, happening is making an impact. It's God in our midst. So while we're busy paying attention to what God isn't doing, we might be missing what God is doing. The New Testament, the message of the birth of Christ says that the waiting is over. So in your waiting, don't miss Jesus in your midst.